Welcome to the Social Feed Podcast. I'm your host, Missy. We are coming at you from the Hubbard Broadcasting Studios in the Twin Cities. Thank you guys for listening. This week is episode 55. Our guests today are Alex Shores. Hello. Alex um, worked for a software development company before coming to Hubbard, and he's now one of our front-end web developers. And he works on our station's websites, like huge sites, like ks95.com, MyTalk1071, and then 1500ESPN, which gets up to like 1.5 million page views per month. Pretty much. <laughs> it's up there. So a lot of content going out on that site. We also have with us again, Adriana Velez. She is our social media coordinator. And in her previous role, she was a digital marketing strategist. And she did things um, regarding digital marketing, but also web design. Today's episode is sponsored by Hey Orca. Hey Orca makes social media planning for agencies easy. Our team has used Hey Orca over the past year, and it has made our communication and content distribution process much more seamless as an agency. It's such an easy platform for us and our clients to use. The layout makes it a perfect tool for working both on a day-to-day and month-to-month basis. It allows you to lay out content in an easy-to-understand dashboard. Not only is that content calendar straightforward when plugged into Hey Orca, but when it's approved, that content is scheduled to automatically go out on all of your platforms. The approval process with clients is great because there's never a question about if the content is good to go. And it has not only sped up our communication time with clients, but it allows us to communicate with the clients directly in Hey Orca, allowing us to focus more on client communication in the tool versus tons more emails going back and forth. It's a tool we use daily, and we, as well as our clients, can't imagine going back to spreadsheets. See how you can seamlessly plan for multiple clients and get content approvals in the ultimate sandbox for marketing at heyorca.com. So let's get into this week's episode number 55, what to know when creating a website. So it's great to have you guys on the podcast today. You both have some really great experience with website design, which I am not as familiar with. So I'm going to just pick your brains like crazy. And the reason that this is the perfect time to do this podcast is we're actually, you two are working on a site for us right now um, called MN Blogger Bash. Yep. We are. So do you guys want to talk a little bit about the process, um, which is a long conversation in itself, but kind of how you just got started with building that? Because this was kind of an idea that just was like, hey, we need a website. Where do you go from there? <laughs> Yeah, um, so we kind of decided we didn't like the design or usability of... (laughs) It needed some love. It needed some love. (laughs) Of our old MN Blogger Bash site. So we kind of sat down. um, We created sort of our key pages. So we created a site map. What pages do we need? Um, From there, we probably spent like two hours wireframing. Exactly. So wireframing is sort of the hard layout of what your website's going to look like. So it's not pretty. It's not designed. It's just like these... Proof of concept. Yeah. It's boxes and, you know, placeholder text. And it sort of lays out what the site is going to look like. So it tests the usability. And that's super important when you're building a website. That's sort of you know, the first go at it and you want to see, is it natural to have this page go to this page or this section scroll into this section? So it's a lot of psychology goes into it and like learning how a person should be navigating through your website. So jumping back into that process phase when it's first like I come to you and I say, hey, guys, we need to update this website. When you talked about that two-hour meeting you had with each other, what what was that process like? What did you guys talk about? 
did you have kind of like an agenda for that? We kind of did. I mean, we figured out what we wanted is probably the first thing we start off with. What do you want? What do you want to keep? What do you want to add? What do you want to get rid of? What works? What doesn't work? I mean, you can also look at Google Analytics to see what was working on your old site. If there are, not all old sites have that. So do you want to talk about that a little bit more? Like Google what, Analytics? Yeah. How, like, how, what can, what should people look for when they're looking at So there? with your Google Analytics, you want to see where people are clicking, you know, where people are landing into your page by landing in like entering into your website means how do they get there do they get there through social media that do they get there through a raw search or are they you know through an email so you also want to figure out like what are they searching for and where do like how long do they stay on that page because you can see how much time everyone spends on a page and um you know if they're going right away to you know let's just say for example like your portfolio you know, you want to see like, okay, let's showcase that, you know, like maybe you move your navigation around. So navigations change around. So like we start like literally from the top of the page and go down. So we figured out what we wanted in our navigation because everything, everything top down got rechanged. So we went from there and I mean, it literally looks like a map on the board. I mean, we did two sessions of this. Did you guys find inspiration from other websites before you sat down and did this plan? Yeah. Or was it kind of just like, nope, this is the idea I have in my head. Like, let's go with this. I think both. Yeah. Um, I sort of researched other sites because I wanted to see, you know, test out different elements from other websites. But we wanted a whole new look. And for this, because it's an internal website, we can really sit down and push ourselves and our capabilities on a website, which is super cool. And just to like play around with things because we're not it's not like a client website. It's something that we can just be passionate about. We so. have full range over it. One thing going back to Alex, you're talking about the Google Analytics side of things. So kind of seeing what pages people are actually going to. Would you say if a page isn't being visited enough, you would scrap that page for the new site? Or would you say maybe that page was just kind of sh- sucked? Both, all of the above, other. I mean, you have to think about it like maybe pages can be combined. Maybe content can be changed. Maybe it can be moved around. Maybe it you don't need it at all, you know? So, I mean, it's it can be anything at this point. So, I mean, we did a lot of, I mean, yeah, we met a lot and tried to figure out, like, what is the best way to do this in the most efficient way with making the user go to where we want to go? You know, that's the other thing is, like, with the psychology part of this is, like, we get to control how people want to get to use our websites. So that's the also thing that's kind of fun where we're like, all right, you need to go here, iPath here, go here, go here. All right, now we want to take them here. It's like a roller coaster ride that they don't get to get off. Suck them in. I like yep. it. I like yes. It. So you have your planning session. You talk about, you know, inspiration, sites that you like. You kind of figure out the navigation. And then the step from there, you talked about the site map um, or what, what so exactly? The, the site map will be first. Um, cause that will build out sort of what pages we all have from there. We build out the wireframes of those pages for wireframes. We didn't, you know, map out every single page, just sort of the key pages because it's kind of a template. So from there, a lot of pages will look the same where you have a header and then just body text and a footer and the navigation somewhere. They all sort of look similar. So we just sort of mapped out the most important pages, Um, I call those pages pillar pages, sort of the key pages of your website. And those are really the pages when we looked at the analytics where people are spending the most time on because those are going to be 
definitely where we want to focus a ton of keywords on there when we're building out content. And we want to make those pages the most amazing out of the rest. So on those pages, when you are building that, where, are you building that in like Photoshop? How are you designing that, those pages? So you can use a lot of different um, sort of design softwares. You can do it in Photoshop. Um, I know Adobe has... XR? Yeah, so XD or XR. I will get that. Yeah, let's it's, yeah, look, look that look up. It up. It is Adobe XD CC. It's design prototype uh, share user experience. Um, that one, and then there's also Illustrator. I mean, the other thing you can do is you can use a pen and paper. You know, that's the easiest way to do it. It's free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also use um, an app called Sketch, which is a lot newer, and it's kind of like a lot of Adobe Creative Suite in one application. So I really like that. And you can sort of integrate it with other things. So you can choose to design, you know, the wireframes of your website and then from there design the actual website with the graphics and the fonts and everything. And you can automatically export that into a website called um, Envision. And with Envision, it sort of takes your design and makes like a prototype website of it. So you can kind of put in interactive elements so you can see how things are going to work together. What I love too about that Envision app, when you guys sent it to me after you had done all this planning in the process, you can comment in there. So I can go in and just say, yep, love this part, change up this part. And it just makes it really seamless, especially when, because most people listening, you're probably not going to build a website by yourself um, if you are you know, Godspeed. Um, but this is like a really great way to collaborate with the team when you're doing it, which it's I loved. It's probably the best way to get feedback from people that you need to have approval from. For like us, we have a team, you know, where it has to get approved by several people. So it was very easy. And the comment section is probably the most, what's the word I'm looking for? Resourceful way to get feedback because, you know, if you're just thinking one way, someone else might have a better way of doing something or something that you didn't see. So it's great to have comments. So after this process now with the Envision app and like going through and making adjustments with that, what's the next step that comes after that? Kicking it to (laughs) graphic designers um, so that they can, or website designers, just an actual designer that will pretty up what our hard wireframes look like. Give you a high fidelity mock-up. Got it. And then so with with people like listening right now that are like they're at that stage in the website or they're getting to that stage, what are things you would recommend for them? Like should they have high quality photos in that section of it? Should they have got should they take photos of themselves um, as far as like take photos themselves or like should they use think stock photos? What do, what do you recommend? That really depends on your capabilities. Um, if you're able to take high quality photos that you want to be putting on your website, I would definitely take original content over stock photos. Agreed. If, if you're not able to do that, then I would lean towards stock images as well. But especially if you have, you know, a meet the team section, you don't want the team members <laughs> to be stock photos. You definitely want that to be actual photos. But when you're designing, regardless of the photos that you're using and where they're coming from, you want to make sure that they're sized correctly because when you hit development, you want those images to be the right size so that your page load time is really fast. If you have too large of images, it takes forever to load a page, and that's how people exit out because they're like, no, this is taking 20 seconds to load. I'm not going to sit here and wait for it. 
And then if they're too small, they show up super pixelated. So the most important thing is making sure that your images are sized right. So like with Facebook, when I place ads, because I'm more in the social media world, um, you can upload your photos to Facebook. and It'll tell you if it may, meets Facebook's qualifications. Is there something like that for websites? There is. There is one that I learned about uh, earlier this year through a webinar. And it's through Google and it's called Google Lighthouse. Oh. So it's um, Chrome users. Um, I will pull it up. So when you go to a website or your website, um, I will go to ours at Hubbard Interactive. Oh my gosh, this is amazing while you're putting that up. It literally is like tools for web developers from Google and you can it, like this upload. Is, I mean, this kind of changed my world too with how this is done because I had no idea this existed, you know, even though being a longtime Chrome user, um, it makes things easier and you it gives you a whole like a report card, if you will. Right here, identify and fix common problems that affect your site's performance, accessibility, and user experience. And the nice thing about it is that it will literally run the audit for a desktop version, mobile version, and it'll give you a report card of how you did. That's amazing. <laughs> so everyone listening, go check that out right now. And, and it's what, free. See what your website, yeah, see what it says for your report card. I love that. Because I know that's one big thing, too. It's like, you know, you you had this beautiful idea and you're like, oh, this is how I want to do it. And then it's just nice to be able to test it before you do a full launch. Mm -hmm. So as far as the design goes, you know, you've you finished that up. And then you also had mentioned before that, you know, keywords were mm -hmm. part of this process, too. So what during what time during this process are you inputting keywords for SEO purposes with Google? So for this site, for MN Blogger Bash, um, another coworker of ours, Tori, who's been on this podcast a lot, um, she and I sat down during the sitemap and wireframe stage. So right away when we started the site, we sat down, created keywords. Um, the reason that we do that, I'm a big, you know, developing a site and creating a site that is around what the consumer's needs are. So a big thing is content. So I would like to design a site focused on content, not create content focused on a website. So instead of creating a template to, you know, little boxes and you can have three sentences in this section, sort of create that content and then design around that. Um, so content sort of done throughout the entire website build. So Alex, when he's developing a site, probably won't input all of that content until one of the final stages. So he'll have it all created, and then I'll hand him the content. We make sure it fits, and then we just roll that out. But it's definitely important, you know, those pillar pages, the key pages, you want to have the most, um, the most keywords on those pages, and that's where you're leading um, users to when they're Googling something. So when we're talking about SEO, does the company that typically builds the website for you, do they also do the SEO as well? They can. Yeah. Or it, is that a second part of the process? It it's can a bilateral be, process, yeah, I think. It really depends on where it is that you're having the website built. So, so if you go through an agency, which you most likely will, some agencies will only do the design portion. They're a design agency, and then you can find like a content agency that will have a whole team that does SEO and content for you and they'll just work together on it. But if you find an agency that does both, that's ideal because everyone's sort of in the same office working on it together. 
And shameless plug, um, our agency does do that. We do have both sides of it. Um, we obviously do more of the social side of things, but um, that's definitely services that we offer, which is great. But it, it's a whole other world. And so that's why it's so fascinating watching us build this Blogger Bash website because they talk about all these things with clients. And I'm like, what? It, like, <laughs> whole other thing. It can be overwhelming. It's a lot. It's a, it's a lot going into a website. So mm-hmm. it's nice to have people that can just do it for you. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. No problem. <laughs> Um, so we're talking about SEO. The other thing I want to talk about, so you're you're doing a little bit of SEO to the website as you build it, but it's not full-fledged SEO, it sounds like. Correct. That's like another stage. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like going through and proofreading your content before I get it so that, you know, it works, it fits, it flows well, and then, you know, we'll go through it. And and then, you know, after it gets, you know, push, pushed into production, meaning it's live, it's out there on the internet, you know, we'll read the analytics, see what's going on and, you know, take that feedback. And then if we have to adjust, tweak, that's where we'll go. So wh- at what point in that process does the client actually get to see the site, interact with it um, during all these different phases? So the client will typically be able to see parts of their website throughout the process. So when we're finished with wireframes, you'll send that to the client. They, You want them to approve the layout of the website. Once we're finished with our, you know, high fidelity fidelity mockups, they will also see those because we need approval before we kick that to development. But once the site is developed, you can sort of host it. Um, I've hosted on like Sandbox, so it'll you can play around with it as you would if it were live, but it's not actually live. Um, so in there, that's definitely when you want to do all of your. QA testing, which is quality assurance testing, which is super important. Um, And during that stage, that's typically when the client steps in, they make sure, you know, all of the buttons work, all of the links work, all of, you know, the little slider elements are working. And you also get to test every single browser because different browsers will show a website differently. So you want to make sure that everything shows up uniform the right way. So The website could look beautiful on Chrome, but then if you go to Firefox, it could look a mess. So then Alex has to come back. This is true. (laughs) This this has happened like yesterday. (laughs) So what are things that? So then, as a developer or as a client, this is that's things you should be looking for. I mean, it sounds like you know, kind of like a checklist of things is Mm -hmm. you know, testing all the buttons, making sure everything links appropriately, testing in the different browsers. Is there any other advice you would give for someone who's going to be going through this process or currently going through this process with a team, things that they should look for when they get that website and they're testing it out? Um, proofreading content, again. That's a, that's a big one. Yes. <laughs> again and again. cheat tools you can use? Again, I'm always trying to do things fast <laughs> that you can plug that into or is it really just sitting down and reading through the website? I would honestly sit down and read through the website and have multiple people do that as well. Even if, you know, some clients want to do their own content instead of having another team do it because they know their company best. So even if they do it and they've proofread it a thousand times and then we get it, give that to Alex to put into the website, there's a chance that Alex could make a typo when he's copying and pasting that over or there's two spaces after a period. So it's definitely sitting down, being super nitpicky, just staring at it, continuing to read have a ton of people look over it as well. It's your website, so spend time making sure that it looks perfect. 
I agree, because if you have other people look at your site, um, and if you have just one person proofreading it, they are looking at that site all the time, so they not might not see that error that she's she or he has read five times, and then she's like, yep, that's fine, it's good to go, and then it gets to me, and I'm like, this makes no sense. Like, why is this like this? Mm-hmm. I've almost had... um. I've heard a few times from other clients that they'll do almost like a mini focus group, you could call it, where when they do get that initial website, they'll send it to a few different people mm-hmm. from that aren't even don't even work at their company yes. just to get an outside perspective kind from of like it. A beta. Yeah, and so that's um a really great way to test yeah. it too that I've heard other brands it's do. It's the best way. Many eyes on it. Cool. And so as far as once it gets to that site, everything's good to go. The client loves it, obviously. Um so then do you launch it? What's that What's that look like? What's that launch time? Is it literally just you push a button and it's good to go? What happens during that? It depends on how you're hosting it and how you're deving it. You know, if you're, if it's an agency or if it's, you know, uh, a one-man show, you know, for us, it's literally a click of a button, which is very nice, but we also pay for that type of service. So um, it could be a day it could be a week you know it could be two weeks you know depending on the workload because it's like you know there are other clients in front of you you're you know you may not be that only client so i mean it, it depends on your situation so let's say that um my website launches i love it it's beautiful it's up for two weeks and the hours change for my location what do i do Contact us and yeah. we'll Should fix it be it? built in? Because I know there's like certain types of like WordPress, for example. Correct. Is there certain um, tools out there that I can update it myself? Should people build it in a certain tool so they don't have to go to a developer every time? What's your advice on that? So my advice on that, that would be a question that would be brought up during probably after wireframing where it's like, who's going to maintain this site? Who's going to do all of the maintenance? Is it going to be the person that developed it? Is it going to be the person that designed it? Who is it? You know, you have to figure that out. Now, if it's someone that knows what they're doing, you probably don't have to do the next step, which is, you know, kind of put child locks on it and lock down the site where it's like, you can't mess it up. That would be my biggest concern is giving, you know, giving over the keys and like, oh, I just totally messed up my entire sidebar or something like that it it does happen and it's probably the most unflattering crushing (laughs) soul crushing feeling in the world you spent you know hours upon hours 100 hours on a site and then all of a sudden they're like i broke it and so there are mechanisms in place where you can lock certain pieces of it so the client can just update the things that need to be updated correct so when clients are, re- that's something those listening, re- you can request that. Yes. <laughs> you should request so, that. <laughs> there's a free plugin through WordPress called Advanced Custom Fields. You're going to have to kind of know what you're doing. It's PHP, HTML, but that one you can at least lock it down. And then the other one with WordPress is you can change um, user roles. So there's super admin, admin, editor, subscriber, author. So, I mean, there's different ways to do this. And there's tons of articles out online. So when you are, and Alex, you'll, since you work on websites like we have smaller clients that we work with and then you have like 15 or ESPN that gets, you know, over a million page views a month, what, what are things that people should be aware of when getting that type of traffic to their website? Are there certain features that they should have, things they should know about? Does the, could the website go down if it gets too much traffic? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the other thing you have to figure out is, you know, hosting. Who, who do you want to host with? And now, you know... I started doing development work 
15 years ago and now there's like a hundred places to host things so you want to find a reputable place that can host it back up your site and has great customer support because if your site goes down at one in the morning and you're an e-commerce site and you have a big sale you know black friday you're going to need to call someone to fix it is there any hosting sites that you would recommend um Media Temple would be my first one. Um, I've had good luck with them. It's where I host my stuff with personally. The other one that I've hosted with is GoDaddy. I've had good luck with them. I feel like GoDaddy's the it's the big daddy. It's the right, big one. It's, it's been around. Um, <laughs> there is Squarespace. There is... Um, so Alex hates Squarespace. Um, but Audra, you host your blog through Squarespace. I do. So, I mean, again, talking about the different types of sites out there, for a smaller site like... You know, with if it's more blogging or maybe more community focused. If your budget, if your budget's smaller, yes, go through Squarespace. GoDaddy also does this. Um, when you say smaller, like what range are you talking about? Like if you don't have like a thousand plus dollars to go develop a website, mm-hmm. you're gonna have to go to a place that can do it for so you. So Squarespace could be a great option. For yeah, that. absolutely. Got it. If you're on a really tight budget. Mm-hmm. Cool. So if you're a thousand plus, that's when you should maybe start looking at. WordPress or something that's Start more customizable. Start looking at having an actual developer do it. So a lot of those listening probably already have a website because it's 2018. Um, but one thing is if they are building a website from scratch, what's the difference between, you know, starting from nothing or changing up something that's already there? Is your process different? Is it the same? Yes and no. <laughs> I mean, Maybe? If, you're, if you're rebranding, you know... It, you're probably going to do a whole redesign because if you're going to just rebrand your logo, you don't probably don't need to do a whole website. But if you want to change, uh, here's an example. Uh, American Airlines just redid their logos after like 50 years. And it was a very iconic, well-built um, logo by a famous designer whose name escapes me right now. Um, but you have to think about that you have to change everything. Yeah, a rebrand just sounds yeah. like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it really depends on how much you are rebranding. If all you're doing is updating the logo and you just have new colors, I wouldn't say you need to completely scratch the website and just start from you know, phase one until launch. And you can sort of just go to design and just be like, oh, we want the buttons this color instead of this color and the logo needs to be switched to this. If you're doing a rebrand, you're creating an entirely new voice, the whole brand is completely different from where it was before, then you're going to start like step one and go through the entire process again. Is there anything kind of wrapping up all the things we've talked about, anything that you wish clients would know before they start designing a website? Creating a new website, designing, building, all of that, going through that process is not a walk in the park. It's kind of like hiking a mountain (laughs) and getting to the top. And then going Uh, back down the other side. (laughs) Um, It takes a long time and it can definitely be super stressful. Um, If you're going through an agency, you know, you don't see that up front, what the team is doing at that agency. But half the time we're probably wanting to like yank our hair out because like things just won't work. QA testing seems, you know, kind of like, uh, we don't really need to do that. It looks great, but it's probably the most important thing that you need to do. And I think a lot, you know, even some agencies don't do it. And sometimes you look at a site and you're like, this button doesn't even work. And, you know, you're kind of like, who did this? 
So definitely be prepared to spend a ton of time testing your website. And even once it's launched after you've tested and it worked perfectly, it could not work when it launches. You know, something could go wrong with, you know, who's hosting it and that's not on you. So even if it's launched, just be prepared to be communicating with the team that built the website to sort of fix all of those odds and ends that, you know, aren't perfect when you launch. A web a website isn't always perfect. You're always improving it, changing it, because you might change your mind after it's completely built, and that's okay. Be so patient. Yeah, patience. Patience be patient. is the number yep. one. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Patience and um, open-mindedness, it sounds like. You know, be open to new ideas and new features that are available. Don't be afraid to change things, you know. Leave what's in the past in the past and move on to something new because it might open doors that you didn't know were possible. One thing, too, that I'll kind of wrap up with as well is, you know, there are a lot of beautiful websites out there. You don't need to copy exactly what those people do. You know, be different, stand out, just because that website looks really great, you know, you it doesn't have you don't have to copy someone else's work. Like you can make it your own and make it fit what your clients need because it's not going to be exactly what another website is that's going to fit those needs. Yep, correct. All links we talked about in today's podcast will be in the show notes on episode 55 at socialfeedpodcast.com slash EP55. Make sure you subscribe to the Social Feed Podcast with Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player to get a brand new episode delivered right to you every Wednesday. Thank you, Alex and Adriana, for being on today. Um, this was super helpful. And as always, to our producer, Pat, who's microphoneless. I'm over here. <laughs> we will see you guys all next week. The Social Feed is a production of Hubbard Interactive with music provided by Minneapolis-based artist John Atwell. Today's episode is sponsored by Hey Orca. Hey, everyone. My name is Joe. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Hey Orca. We created Hey Orca for specifically two people, um, the social media managers on the agency side and then the small business owners from the, uh, from the customer side. We put ourselves in the social media manager's shoes. So we created it from that standpoint, understanding what their workflow is going to look like. They have to create content, get approvals really efficiently. And then we step into the shoes of the customers. They're really busy. They need to look at things on the fly, on their phones, be able to approve stuff, not wanting to pick up another tool. And so when we created that, we always, you know, ask ourselves, what does that optimal experience look like so that those two teams can be can be on the same page? How can we make an agency such a natural part of uh, a client's team? See how you can seamlessly plan for multiple clients and get content approvals in the ultimate sandbox for marketing at heyorca.com.